0: Well, the Pac-12 doesn't have a media deal, and now they don't have a deputy commissioner who's reportedly leaving the conference front office on Friday. And I'm not that worried about it. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights-free and beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. We just hit 2,400 on the YouTube channel. Thank you all so much. You know what my next goal is going to be? Not 2,500, 3,000. Let's get there. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So just to be clear, I'm not concerned about the news that the Deputy Commissioner of the PAC-12 is leaving the conference right now in the midst of its media rights negotiations. I have some level of concern, though not as high as others, but some level of concern about what the PAC-12 is going to be able to garner for its media rights deal. Just want to make that distinction very clear. But this piece of news came out a couple days ago. Josh, Neighbors, and I have locked on Big 12, had a fun discussion yesterday, spirited as, as well, but civil, right? You can passionately disagree, not hate each other by the end of it. It's okay. It is possible, everybody, just so we're all aware. But uh, something that we hinted at was Jamie Zaninovich. (laughs) I practiced before I came on the air too, and I still messed it up. Jamie Zaninovich is uh, quitting. He was the deputy commissioner of the PAC 12. So kind of George Klyovkov's right-hand man, like, you know, vice president or, you know, chief of staff to the president, you know, somebody like that, right. Someone who you hold, you know, see, I think he was the COO um, deputy commissioner, whatever you want to call it. He's a very high ranking official up there. And this of course, you know, put some people, not everybody, some people into a bit of a frenzy of, Oh my gosh, now someone's leaving. It's a sinking ship. He's jumping off the Titanic and all this sort of stuff. And I don't share that particular, Opinion. Now, it doesn't change my view in in an optimistic sense as to what the Pac-12 is going to be able to get in their media rights negotiations here. But I think there are two elements of this news that zaninovich is is leaving that that are that are overlooked. First one. Well, I guess three points. First one: people leave for jobs all the time. Is the timing suspect? Eh, Yeah, you could argue that, but I'll get to that uh, in in a little bit. But the second thing here is for everyone who's just seeing the headline that he's leaving and not actually you know, looking at all the details of what is going on here. He's leaving for a private sector job, but he is staying as an advisor of sorts. So he's going to another position, but he's going to continue to advise the PAC-12 as they continue their media rights negotiations. Now, if he was someone who saw the PAC-12 media deal and the conference as a whole as a sinking ship, as an absolute calamitous disaster, would would he stay around while going to another job? No. My best guess here, and I know this because I haven't met or I, I say this is my best guess because I, like all of you, number one, had never heard of this guy until recently. And people wanted to use it to, you know, slander the Pac-12 and whatnot, which I understand. It's an easy picture to paint. It's just not the most complex or you know, full picture of what might be going on there. But number two, in the sports media world, sports business world, people leave for jobs literally all the time. Now, the timing here is what makes people connect the dots in their head. Oh my goodness, he's leaving before they have a deal. Now he and George Klyovkov and perhaps some PAC-12 presidents maybe expected they would have a deal by now. So here's something I want to ask you for all of you out there saying that this is just another sign that the conference is doomed to fail and that it's going absolutely nowhere except down further into the ground. Number one, did you know this who this guy was before? Number two, how long has he been thinking about leaving the Pac-12? Number three, how long has he been at the Pac-12? Number four, what are his career aspirations? And does he always want to stay at the Pac-12? Just let those questions sink in a little bit. Just, just kind of think them over. Go, Hi, yeah, you, 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 you might be right. You may still think I'm wrong, and that's okay. But the point that I'm trying to make here is he may have wanted to leave six months ago. He may have been searching for jobs for a long time and he figured that by now, which was perhaps the time that he agreed to go on this new opportunity, and again, this could have been three weeks ago, it could have been three months ago, it could have been three years ago, right? You and I do not know. We don't know what his family situation is, we don't know what his career aspirations are, we don't know why exactly he's leaving or any of that sort of stuff. Everyone just wants to always jump to the most negative, you know, headline blaring conclusion possible. And- I did not have a visceral reaction to this news. I was like, oh, well, yeah. And maybe it's because I'm someone who works in the sports media space. People move around in jobs all the time and I get the timing element. But if he has this job lined up now, but he's staying to advise the Pac-12, right? Like he's going to go into another position, but I don't know what his family situation is. I don't know what his you know career goals are or what the details of the job are. I don't know any of that sort of stuff. But that's kind of the point is you don't know either. And everyone who's making a big deal out of this, which is not everybody, but a fair number of people are. I think it's just getting overblown because it's like the, the guy left for a job. And if he thought it was so bad, I don't think he'd stay on to to advise the conference there. If it was just, if it was going nowhere and he was pounding the table and he wanted this and, and the PAC-12 couldn't get it and they wouldn't do it, then he wouldn't stay on. If he was so frustrated and it was so terrible, I think he would have just jumped ship altogether and would not have been, you know, staying to advise the, the PAC-12 as they continue their their media rights discussions there. Uh, the other thing, and this is the, the the third point and kind of builds off the one that I was talking about, which is that. People leave for jobs all the time. It does not necessarily mean everything's going horribly. It's not a direct comparison, but I did have the thought like when an assistant coach leaves a staff, does that mean that everything is terrible? It could. Maybe he wants to get out of there. Maybe he wants to pursue another opportunity. Maybe his family wants to move to be closer to home. I don't know. There's only about 500 different factors we could come up with as to why people decide to take new jobs when they're in one that they've been in for a while. I think he'd been there for uh, over over 10 years or so. But back in uh, just as, as a comparison, because I think this is fairly comparable, not identical, because the Pac-12 hasn't announced their expansion teams yet, but I suspect they're going to. But Ed Stewart, do you know that name? No, probably not. I didn't either until I realized that he was the associate commissioner of the big 12. He left to go work at USC because according to the piece from Bleacher Report on August 5th, 2022, he has aspirations to be an athletic director one day. So that was him furthering his career interests. Were there major concerns? that the big 12 wasn't going to be able to get a deal or were there were, that they weren't going to be able to get any kind of deal and it was a sinking ship because the associate commissioner left? No, it'd be a big deal if the commissioner left, right? When an assistant leaves a coaching staff, it is now a reflection of what being a head coach actually is, which is you're the head honcho. You have to be able to run a tight ship consistently whether or not assistants are coming or going or not. Some places have more continuity than others, but Ed Stewart left when he was associate commissioner of the Big 12 in August and their Big 12 media rights extension of their current deal, the announcement, right, that we've you know talked about before here on the show was signed in October. So that is why I did not have a huge reaction to this, but I saw many people saying, oh, you know, it's just another sign. It's a sinking shit, all this sort of stuff. If you had a negative perception before, you're you're free to maintain that negative perception. There are plenty of reasons as to why you could have a, a negative idea of what the Pac-12 is right now, what it could be going forward, what they'll be able to get into the deal. But my point here, I'll wrap it up with this. You should not change your opinion one way or the other because this guy left for all the reasons that I just laid out. So, boy, we're coming out firing today. Just absolute guns blazing (laughs) speaking of guns blazing i would love for the pac-12 and big 12 to merge one day by the way i would love it it's not going to happen for the presidential reasons that i've talked about here on the show what i love for it to happen yeah what i love for the pac-12 to go after big 12 schools in the future yeah sure why not i guess we're in that kind of world now there is one school in particular there's one school in particular that could be a fit from the Big 12, and they're not on FanDuel. Well, actually, they are because everybody's kind of on FanDuel, right? And Grand Slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to 1% thousand dollars just go to fanduel.com locked on to sign up place your first bet and get up to a thousand dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win it's that easy don't miss your chance for that no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars when you join fanduel today just go to fanduel.com locked on to sign up fanduel official partner of major league baseball all right so a uh, kind of reverse question given the last couple of months and what the dialogue and narratives have uh, have been surrounding the Pac-12 right now from GL Perez 77 And you too can be a part of the mailbag. YouTube comments, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. By all means, ask me anything. I'll answer it here on the show. If you want to ask me about like... Shows, movies, pop culture, you know, and that sort of stuff. No politics, though. Not doing that. All right. GL Perez 77 asks, hey, Spencer, great show, by the way. Appreciate you. Question. In your opinion, what would it take for Kansas and AAU to leave the Big 12 to join the Big 10 or PAC, which it academically aligns with? Well, you'd have to fully understand what the priorities of Kansas's president are. Because when you think about Kansas as... An athletic institution. What do you think of basketball? Of course, right. Is there a better conference to be in basketball-wise than the Big 12? The Big East is probably right there. They're 1A, 1B. Put them in whatever order you want. But we saw pretty clearly this year, and I think it's been the case the last couple of years. Big 12 and Big East—they're above. You know, the the rest of the conferences out there. They're they're good individual teams, but on the whole, we know Pac-12 basketball isn't there. But so. You have to ask yourself if if you're Kansas, you know, what is the value of of having that be such an integral part of your of your university's brand? I think the value of basketball to Kansas is greater from, you know, a, a lore, a reputation, a branding standpoint for the university than it is for most other schools. Right. That that's kind of their football. So if they have that in high priority now, it's still financially not worth nearly as much as football is. but right? Just from a media rights standpoint, but how much do they value being in that sort of conference? But if they came over to the PAC 12 one day, well, Hey, suddenly the PAC 12 would be a lot better in basketball. And if we have San Diego state one day, you'd have two programs that have played in or won a national championship game in, you know, just the last uh, couple seasons of, of college hoops here. So I, I do think that'd be a consideration more than it would be for, for other schools. But the other the other thing that could be a hurdle there for Kansas going into another conference one day. And I get that, you know, they're they're an AAU institution, only one in uh only one in the Big 12. I think they could totally be a cultural and academic fit in in the pack. I think Kansas could be, I think Baylor could be. I think Texas Tech is kind of close. Um, uh, my understanding is Texas Tech is inquired as to joining as, as to joining the pack in in the past but it's never been anything like really really super serious but for kansas to do that i, I think they would have to not, number one right just like i talk about with oregon and washington going to the big 10 which uh, i got a question about for later in in today's show there has to be desire on the other side now what the pac 12 is likely about to do here is get a media rights deal at san diego state and add smu I think the hurdle that Kansas could run into if they did as a university say, we want to go to the Pac-12 and increase our our, our research output, or we want to go to the Big Ten and do the same, is who would they go with? And that is a question that conference, now maybe they could be a single edition, right? Maybe they could be a a solo team and you go Pac-13 or the Big Ten goes to 17 or You know, if the Big Ten were to add Notre Dame, they'd need another school. Maybe they'd say Kansas is closer than Stanford and Kansas has a greater athletic record than that Stanford does. Stanford's got much better academics, of course, because, you know, it's Stanford, duh. But that, I think, is a legitimate hurdle there is we haven't seen realignment moves. They they very rarely. It's happened, but it's pretty rare that they happen in isolated fashion, right? So think Colorado to the Pac-12. They went Big 12 to Pac-12 and are doing a lot more research money because of it. But, you know, people don't care about that, so I won't even mention it anymore. But they go to the Pac-12. They're the only Power 5 that did that. But then they went in alongside Utah who are making the jump from the G5 level. So if you're talking about, you know, going – let's take the Pac-12, for instance. Let's say what, what I believe will happen comes to pass. You had San Diego State, SME, you got 12. So let's say you're talking next round of realignment and Kansas is looking to go, hypothetically, to the Pac-12. Could you emulate what you did with the mountain schools and add one P5 and one G5 school and say we'll take Kansas and we'll add Tulane as well? Could see it. I, I, I could see that happening, but I do think that's, that's a hurdle there. But then the other, you know, the, to, to answer your question, uh, directly, Mr. Perez 77, I assume that's when you were born. That's just going to be my guess here was the, the university would have to decide in a significant way that they want to do that. And then they would have to show those other conferences that they're capable of doing it right. That they're capable of making that jump now from a research dollar standpoint, Kansas is not at, you know, the upper echelon, but they're not bottom of the run. Like if they went to the PAC 12 now, I believe their research dollars would be kind of middle to the lower portion of the PAC. I'm pretty sure they do more than than Oregon State, Oregon, Washington State. But, you know, obviously the the big dogs are not in that particular category. But having that AAU label clearly, as we know, matters to PAC 12 presidents at some level and they could be a candidate for that. So they would have to decide as a university i mean i think honestly if they wanted to go to the big 10 one day i think they would have to become a dominant big 12 football team because make no mistake about it the big 10 is adding these schools or pac-12s adding these schools it's not single factor analysis right like i mentioned academics and alignment and culture and all that sort of stuff that because that is a factor that i think often gets overlooked and people just look at football but i don't want to you know go too far on that and say no it's just about academics it's not about football like it's about everything it's an association of universities that's what a conference is it's not a collection of football teams it's not a collection of basketball teams though that's a component it's an association of schools so the big 10 would have to look at kansas and say okay we like that you're an aau member we think you have you know, more potential to, to increase your research output. Your basketball school would be probably the best in the Big Ten or at the very least one of the best programs. They'd probably be the best program in the Big Ten. They'd certainly have more national championships because Big Ten hasn't won one in quite a long time, like the Pac-12. Hey, we're friends. Okay, so but they, they could look at that and say, okay, you add value there, but then you'd come to football and say, is that enough? And, and at that point, it would be up to the Big Ten presidents about what they see. And the Pac-12, you know, same sort of question. I, I think Pac-12 would be more readily willing to add Kansas immediately if they suddenly became available, which is not being reported anywhere. This is a hypothetical. That's kind of how this works. Don't freak out, everybody. Relax. Not not breaking anything here. But I think the Pac-12 would be more ready to add Kansas than the Big Ten, because the Pac-12 would look at it and say, "Okay, we want to continue. You know, if the SMU thing goes well, and they want to continue their geographical reach into the Central Time Zone, Kansas would probably be their top target from the Big 12. Would they take Kansas State as well? Don't know. Don't don't know. My my guess is maybe not. I mean, athletically, of course, I would love for them to do that, but. There are other factors at, at play here, but interesting question there that had not that had not come in before. And and by the way, when you talk about academic alignment, you know, being an AAU member helps doesn't automatically make you, you know, a Stanford or Cal from, you know, an academic standing. It means you have a commitment to a certain level or a certain standard of education doesn't mean that you know, every school that's an AAU has the same standards or generates the same amount of research dollars or has the same level of academic prestige, right? Oregon is an AAU member, so is Stanford. Those two schools are in a different, only two schools my dad applied to, by the way, Oregon and Stanford. Uh, Oregon, because he grew up in, in Southern Oregon and Stanford because that's where his parents went. But those two schools are both AAU institutions. They are polar opposites in terms of their their, their academic standing in in the in the cultural or in the uh, educational community so a uh, good question there fun one another great question came in from david brown spencer that's me money aside from an oregon perspective i being a duck fan of course is the big 10 the way to go if invited or if everyone agrees to stay put is the pack better. So one thing you have to understand, and David, I'm pretty sure you're a Washington fan, Oregon and Washington will go everywhere together. Everything that that people who have been tapped into this stuff for a lot longer than I am, who have covered it for a long time and who understand the landscape, know that there there is unlikely to be a scenario where Oregon goes somewhere without Washington or Washington goes somewhere without Oregon whether it's the rivalry, the geography, the fact that, again, going back to the Kansas question or one of the questions about Kansas, they move in pairs, you know, like Jurassic Park. They move in herds. There's a a great scene in TED 2 about that. They move in herds. They do move in herds. Okay, so my brother's going to love that I put that in the show. So when you're talking about, you know, would Oregon go to the Big Ten, the Washington question is there as well. Now, Washington and Oregon both, I think for different reasons, primarily not not entirely i'll explain it in a sec would go to the big 10 in a heartbeat so oregon an aau institution but not an elite research university and doesn't have you know some unbelievable academic reputation again it's still pretty good as an aau member but it's it's not you know where where washington is my mom has made that abundantly clear in, in my life as a husky fan um, she always referred to it as a fine institution. Didn't sell my brother and I in going there. But you know what? You can't fault her for trying. She she did she did try very, very hard. But so Washington, I think, would have a greater academic interest from you know a conference alignment standpoint to go to the Big Ten than Oregon would. And I think that could be like a 50-50 driver for Washington, maybe 60-40 athletics. For Oregon, I feel like the the move to the Big Ten one day, if the offer came along, would be like 90-10 athletics academics as a university because oregon of course cares about sports a great deal and they do still hold some academic standards you can't get aau recognition without that but you you're still i i think looking at a school at oregon that is going to be driven more by athletics than than washington would which could still be like 60 40 you know i i think both feel that but so on on a personal level i don't want anyone else to leave the pack like I think it stinks that USC and UCLA are leaving. I don't like it. I understand that, you know, you guys care about it, which is why I talk about it all the time. It is interesting. It's compelling. There's so many different angles to it. I like that element of it, but fundamentally just like take away, take away the mic, take away the show here as a college football fan. I hate it. I I absolutely hate it because I like the traditional rivalries. I like the traditional matchups. I like the regionality of college sports. It's what makes it so unique. And we're just moving into the space where it's going to one day, you know, loosely resemble the NFL. I mean, we're already getting there with a 12-team playoff and taking away what makes college football truly special and unique, which is its regular season. But would they go? You know, money aside, I mean, the money could be a factor there. But the other thing, too, for Oregon and Washington is like, look, you know, Josh was – talking yesterday about you know why would you tolerate for oregon or washington you know rutgers getting a bunch more money money than you they probably wouldn't as a university but on a related note i am not worried about the bottom feeders of the big 10 maryland rutgers indiana illinois i'm not worried about them in the future surpassing oregon and washington in terms of what they can reach because there's been a financial gap for a long time and yes it's widening but the Big Tens had a financial advantage over the Pac-12. And guess what? There are still Pac-12 teams that have gotten way closer to going to the playoff than the, than a bunch of teams in the Big Ten will ever get to going, right? Like, just because, I mean, Purdue's been making more money from the media rights deal than Oregon and Washington for years. Has Purdue sniffed the college football playoff? No, I don't think so. And guess what? It's going to be a lot harder for them to do so. doesn't mean it's impossible, especially in the 12-team format. Does not mean it is impossible there, but you know, if the second part of your question, David, if everyone agrees to stay put, is the pack better as a fan? Yeah, I I like the pack better, but from a conference caliber standpoint, yeah, of course they'll go to the Big Ten. Like it's a higher level academically, higher level financially for your athletic department. You are in probably what would be the most uh, the the most um, competitive conference in the country, like. Yes, it's a better conference, but then here, here, here's the other thing, and I wonder how much they think about this. Oregon and Washington both have the same goal as programs, and we've seen them, you know, get to a very, very high level. But they have one goal, and that is to win a football national championship, not men's basketball. They'd like to. Oregon got to a Final Four, haven't been, you know, doing so great in the NCAA tournament. One Sweet Six, well, they, they had some good seasons the last couple of years, not so good. Washington basketball. Has, has not made a run a serious run in, in my lifetime that I can remember through the NCAA tournament doesn't mean they didn't have one way back when That's just a thought off the cusp husky fans don't don't. Or, well, you know, by all means, you know, drop it in the comments if I'm if I'm missing that sort of stuff. But anyway, so their goal is to win a football national championship. In order to do that, you have to get into the playoff. I know groundbreaking stuff here. I know you can't believe either that I could come up with such a tremendous insight, even in a 12 team format. You've got six automatic qualifiers winning the big 10 with Ohio state and Michigan in there. Let's say at best, you can do that once every four years. If you're Oregon and Washington, if you were in the big 10, right, that's the best case scenario. And six of those spots are given to the conference champions. So now we've moved to a 16 playoff and you're going for six at large spots. There is some value in being in a stronger conference. You have more leeway to lose games. You know what you also have in a, in a tougher conference? More teams that can compete with you and beat you. And a 9-3 and three Big Ten team might not get in over an 11-2 lost in the conference championship game Pac-12 team, depending on who those losses are to. So there is an upside. I get it. I think the universities would do it. But like with USC and UCLA, I think athletically it would be a mistake on the football front because you now have a tougher path to getting into the playoff, even in a 12 team format. And so I wonder how much of a consideration Oregon and Washington would give to that because they know inside those athletic departments, that's their ultimate goal. Oregon's never won one. Washington had uh Washington had one in 1999 or no, I'm sorry, 1991 with Don James. So, that's where they're trying to get to and maybe they look at the money and say yep let's do it no questions asked let's just go we'll compete we'll win championship okay that that's an option but you have to think about how you get to the playoff how you get the highest seeds and how you build a championship team and how you have a championship season as well. All factors to consider. Great questions. Keep them coming. YouTube or Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Appreciate everyone listening and watching. Thank you so much for making the show what it is. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.